Hey there, skips and skipperettes from all across the vast electronic wasteland known only as Internet Land, and welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. Today we're presenting the second half of our babbling with YouTube personality Tony Goldmark. If you haven't heard the first episode, well, go listen to it right now. I'll, I'll be here when you're done. All right, you're back. Good. Um, before we get into the second half of this, we just wanted to let you know a bit about what we have going on with our schedule. We are headed down to Walt Disney World for a week, and that's going to put our show production back to mid-February. We have some new episodes ready to be edited, and we'll make sure to put up some good reruns for you in the meantime. So go out there, be excellent to each other, put a little love into the world. We will see you guys soon. Okay, here we go, Season 6, Episode 8, as we present our interview with the amazing Tony Goldmark from the YouTube series Some Jerk with a Camera, in an episode we like to call Nostalgia Cricket, Part 2. Kungaloosh, everyone! The opening day riff because I'm I'm a, a huge uh, original broadcast period uh, MST fan. Um, I will assume by your tenor and tone that you probably are as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, for those who have not yet seen it, and I'm, I'm going to tell everyone that they should go see it. Uh, how did you get the? How did the concept come about about doing a riff on that particular piece of footage? You know, I don't remember exactly when I first had the idea. I know I had the idea for quite a while before we actually did it. Um, I think it just hit me with, like a bolt of lightning one day. I, 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 I'd heard, I'd never actually seen, I never actually sat down and watched the opening telecast, but I'd heard all these stories about how everything went wrong and it was just this, you know, crazy clusterfuck of, you know, early, the early days of TV and no one really knowing what they were doing. And I thought – and you know what I think might have inspired it actually was when I saw the Rift Tracks uh, short Fun in Balloon Land, mm-hmm. which was – which Fun in Balloon Land was this really horrible uh, short film made in the 60s depicting like some small town's local balloon parade. And it's one of the funniest Rift Tracks riffs there's ever been there because there's just so much to work with there. And I thought, you know, I'd love to do um, I, I I've always been a huge fan of MST3K and Rift Tracks. And, and I thought, you know, it'd be fun to do some of these like cheesy TV specials that have aired over the years. And what better place to start, really? Yeah. Because uh, because, you know, as 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 Dave pointed out, one of the other guys who did it with me, um, you know, Disney has certainly released cheesier uh, TV specials, but they've never released a more incompetent one. 
<laughs> you know, every everything they've ever done since has has at least had the appearance of competence. Uh, they, they they were never dumb enough to do a live telecast again, at least not one with that little uh, experience that, to it. That was all of TV back then. I mean, that pretty, was yeah, pretty much. You know, there's uh, if you go back and watch some of like the 1950s and early 60s live Christmas specials that came out because they were doing a lot of live holiday specials and things back then and they are uh as painful and atrocious as you could possibly imagine andrew's sisters and hudson brothers and i mean it's just it's always families which is always strange like, yeah. you know, there's something you know uh osmonds there's something just you know incestuously happy about christmas families singing together yeah and um now, now, like I said, it took a while for this uh, idea to actually get off the ground. For a while, we were going to do it uh, the previous year in time for the 60th. Mm-hmm. And and I thought, oh, the 60th anniversary, that'll be cool. I ran out of time. I ran out of research. I wasn't able to do it. In fact, there's a video on my channel called Meanwhile on July 17th, 1955, which is just kind of a little throwaway joke about the six, about that day being the 60th anniversary. And that originally was going to be the intro to the riff mm-hmm. that I'd written that specifically to be um, to, uh, uh, to be the the intro that got us into the riff eventually. But uh, well, I, I mean, the, the transition was a little different, but I, I ran out of time. We, we just didn't have enough time to get the riff together. So instead, I just made it its own standalone thing. But I did the riff the following year in time for July 17th, uh, 2016, because I figured, well, you know, in Jurassic Park, John Hammond says the park opened in 56. And why would John Hammond lie? Really? You know? <laughs> So that is so. So the joke in the intro now is that you know I think that's the 60th anniversary, despite all the evidence to the contrary. Well, and it's funny. I think, and, and, and besides, if it wasn't the 60th, why would they still have the 60 banners all over the place? Is, well, <laughs> Disney is the only company that can have a year long uh, an anniversary celebration that lasts for 18 months. Yep. <laughs> um, so did you did you find? Uh, because when I when I talk to people who just get into MST, the first one or two episodes they watch, the first reaction is always, "Well, that looks so easy to do," and then when yeah. you start watching it habitually, you realize that you know every episode is is hours and hours and hours and weeks of planning. Uh, I mean, how much went into creating that episode? We spent uh, several days just watching uh, w- watching the telecast over and over again. Just, uh, I mean, going through it a little by little and just brainstorming. Um, and, and, and when I say we, I say me, Charlie, and Dave, and a few other friends who who joined us for the writing sessions. And um, and we just we just brainstormed material, and I jotted it down quickly. And then I sure. Um, so uh, and and some of our friends and we all uh, and we all just watched the special and and you know brainstormed as many jokes as we could and I jotted them down and then and then later I took the raw material back and finessed it into the finished script uh, and that took uh, yeah that took a really long time uh, but worth it I think <laughs> yeah no no it's something to be proud of and that's that's uh, it, it was a good introduction to the stuff that you do it was a good uh, good tonal kind of a thing do you do you feel like that's the that's one of the things that you get the best feedback about. 
Uh, it's certainly one of it's certainly the most gags per minute of any video I've ever done <laughs> because you know because I don't have to bother with setups to the punchlines really you know because the specials providing me with as many setups as I need and that's what's really hard about writing something like that is you really do have to think of a different joke and a different kind of joke like every ten seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, in in this, you know, in our case, it was a 70 minute special and it was, um, yeah, it it was a challenge, but uh, we did it eventually. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things I was the nice little surprise at the end was your celebrity appearance uh, at the end. That's right. And uh, for those of us, I've I've uh, I'm a big fan. Can you tell me about a little of that, how how that came along? Well, um, uh, my friend Dave, uh, he has he he was. You'd have to ask him exactly how he managed to do this, but somehow he's been able to get like a press pass for uh, for various conventions and such. And uh, at one convention years ago, uh, he – no, it, he, he's interviewed various people at conventions. And then years ago, he did a phone interview with Bill Corbett of MST3K. And I guess through doing that, he managed to be on the MST3K's uh, – or, or the Rift Tracks uh, – a press list of, of, of people, and he was con- And when Kevin Murphy was in L.A. to promote the big uh, MST3K, um, was it the? Yeah, it was the. Was it the twenty fifth anniversary or the thirtieth? Yeah, yeah, it was um, the big show that they had with. Yeah, it, it, it was the big MST3K Riff Tracks uh, live show they had uh, that was telecast into theaters, and um, a- and he was in L.A. to promote it, and uh, his publicist contacted Dave and said, "Hey, you wanna um, you wanna interview Kevin Murphy?" And he was like, "Yeah," and then he and then he contacted me and said, "You wanna you know hold my camera while I interview Kevin Murphy?" And I was like, well, what's in it for me? No, of course. I, you know, who doesn't want to meet, you know, what MST3K fan doesn't want to meet Kevin Murphy? And after we were done with the interview, we just kind of timidly said, so we're doing a thing where we make fun of the opening day telecat. Would you say it stinks on camera? Just one to end. And he did. And it later occurred to us. um, Kevin Murphy was the only major MST3K cast member uh, on the pod, uh, it's obviously a reference to the uh, Pod People episode, which is one of the funniest MST3K episodes they ever did, where someone you know making the OK symbol with their fingers and then going "It stinks" was kind of a running gag because because someone did it in the movie. But we realized um, Kevin Murphy was the only one not to do it in that episode because Joel did it at one point, and then at the end Trace and Frank did it. So. Kevin never got a chance to do it, but he did it for our cameo, so that was awesome. <laughs> my my little consistent MST story is that I I have is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. There's a a scene when you're uh, getting into the the looted village, and you've got the three guys playing musical instruments on the left. Uh, the the middle one always looks like uh, like TV's Frank to me. He just uh, he does, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. I've actually had that discussion back and forth with uh, with Frank Conniff. So, oh, nice, uh, nice. It was, it was kind of a fun little. Mo- he's he's heard that before. Let's just say. <laughs> um, so, one of the things I wanted to to bring you on, and I I think that the title I would give you uh, in the the theme park fandom pantheon is that you're a great perspectiveologist. Um, That's you know, I I I like it. I I. I, I like it. Give me 13 episodes. <laughs> yes, yes. Put it on immediately and get John Lovitz to do the opening crawl. And Yep. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's talk about a few things uh, that are coming up and just get your take on them. Um, sure. Imagine that you are in the year 2055 uh, and you are at okay. the 100th anniversary of Disneyland. 
I'll uh, try to keep my cholesterol down. Yes. Uh, this is a question I've asked many people on the show is what uh, is the Jungle Cruise still there uh, at year 100? And what does it look like? Are there any changes? What do you what would you prognosticate for that? Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, I think it's definitely still there because it's a hard attraction to just turn into some I, I mean. Maybe it's been rethemed by then, possibly, but it's still very much, you know, the Jungle Cruise still. It's because it, it's a really hard attraction to, you know, just like build walls around and turn it into something else entirely because you're dealing with, you know, all the water systems and stuff. So maybe by then they'll have finally released a Jungle Cruise movie and they'll have rethemed it to that or they'll release some animated film that takes place in the Jungle in the jungle and they'll retheme it. Although, you know, they've released two successful jungle book movies at this point and they, and the jungle cruise still basically remains intact. So well, and maybe thank goodness they didn't decide to plus the jungle cruise with the jungle book stuff from the set, from the, uh, the redo. Uh, <laughs> it is it, yeah, something that I have gone off on the perspective on the, uh, nostalgia take is that I'm, I will not see any Disney movie that is a remake of another Disney movie. Uh, Oh really? I, I am, I'm done with it. Uh, Beauty and the Jungle- Beast, much as it looks good, I'm not going to see it. I'm just on principle. I'm not going to see anything when they're strip mining their intellectual property. I respect that point of view, and I I definitely respect the perspective because I, I I definitely respect um, the point of view that. I mean, let's face it: the, the the live action Beauty and the Beast looks pretty, but I have yet to see the slightest bit of evidence that it has a right to exist. Well, didn't they the live action Cinderella? I mean, it's the same. Yeah, I I didn't even see the live action Cinderella just because I've never been that much of a Cinderella fan. But I, I will say I respect that perspective. However, the Jungle Cruise remake is actually quite good. Yeah. At, at, at least I I thought it was really good. I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, I and, and you already had a Jungle Cruise uh, cartoon. It was called Tailspin. I mean that you know we we well, a, a Jungle Book cartoon. Actually, well, well, actually you had. To, you had two of them, actually, Tailspin and Jungle Cubs. Remember Jungle Cubs? Yeah, but t- I mean, Tailspin could have existed in the same universe that the Jungle Cruise exists in. I mean, it's there's no answer to why Baloo doesn't have pants, but, I mean, it could have fit into the the theming of that attraction pretty easily. But, I mean, let, while we're on that, so let's, let's go down that road. The next well, sl- slate of movies for the next, you know, two, three years includes Maleficent 2. It includes hmm. um, the Cruella movie with Emma Stone as a prequel to Cruella. Uh, right. It's got, you know... Um, As a prequel to 101 Dalmatians. You mean. Yeah, I'm sorry, yes. Um, then, you know, then you've got... Um, well, uh, well, to answer your initial question, I, I think if the Jungle Book didn't cause a retheme of the Jungle Cruise, I don't think anything will. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, Although, interesting story there. Um, I'm sure you've heard this story because you're a Jungle Cruise expert, but for a while... They were seriously considering turning the Jungle Cruise into the George of the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> uh, I'm not making that up. That was a, a, they actually thought about it for a while. There have been so many things that have nearly, uh, you know, slid in there and, and changed things. <laughs> I, I was there during the era where the guns had been taken away. Ah. Uh, uh. You know, I mean, so I, I've seen I've seen many crazy things happen around that. And, you know, the thing you've got like Hong Kong and, and Tokyo who uh, have amazing jungle cruise experiences. You know, Tokyo's got pyro effects during their their trip um, in Hong Kong. All the skippers have to be able to, to spiel the entire ride in English, Cantonese and Mandarin. 
Um, and they're still getting the minimum wage. So, I mean, it's, Jesus. It, it's astounding that, you know, the ride is doing really well, but it's hard, you know, the budget and the time to, to redo the Anaheim one. Uh, I think it'll happen. I think we'll get a fairly major revision in the next five years with, with new effects and show scenes. And, uh, oh, I, I'm sure they'll plus it, but it won't be, it won't be fundamentally. I, I think it will still be called the Jungle Cruise in sure. the years to come. I, I I don't think it'll, and and I don't think you know like like the outlay of it or or the general tone will be that much different. We'll probably get some you know enhanced effects, but you know it it won't be significantly a different experience. Sure, we'll just you know we'll put on our VR goggles before we, sure. we get on the boats. Yeah. Uh, what what's your feelings about where they're going with Star Wars Land? Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, um, I've, I've been way, you know, I wasn't, uh, that big a fan of the cars movies. So I recognize, you know, all the skill that went into cars land, but it's just not a franchise that ever meant all that much to me, especially after cars two, which I thought was God awful. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to, uh, a a new land based on really good movies for the most part. Well, you know, we we do get the darker, grittier cars, uh, reboot this year with cars (laughs) three. Uh, I don't know how dark and gritty that's real. That might have just been the teaser screwing with us. I <laughs> I just wonder how I mean, Cars well, 3 is going to handle Uber because, you know, do you put a car <laughs> inside of another car? How does that even work? Uh, but, well, I mean, well, how does anything in that universe work? I mean, I mean, do do cars give birth to other cars? Do they build new cars? It, how? Why do the cars talk? Where did the humans go? What the? What is happening? Well, and philosophically, you know, philosophically, let's say you have a car and you take half of its parts and put it onto a different car. Which car is the original car? Where's the personality? And I, I love the cars holiday theming that they do because they have the wreaths made out of, you know, hubcaps. And it's basically like like if we took our lungs and ripped, you know, ripped out the air filters, ripped out our (laughs) lungs and put them on display on a Christmas tree. That's effectively what Cars Land is during the holidays. And if you take half a car and put it on another half of a car, what bathroom do you let it in? That's, (laughs) you know, that. Well, you hate it when they're leaking oil all over the place. So. Exactly. Uh, well, I think, and we touched on this a little bit as far as the the park overcrowding and all that. And do you do you see that um, continuing and being an issue? I mean, I, I think as long as the economy keeps on growing, we're going to keep on having you know days where things are closed out and and people you know are being locked out of the park at two in the afternoon. Well, the economy might not keep on growing for that much longer, <laughs> so that might take care of that. But. Um, uh, but you know, I um, I think, but yeah, as long as the crowds keep coming in, I think more places to put them, and especially more people eater attractions to, you know, uh, where where they can be standing in line forever. I think the better, in, in, in at least as far as you know, guest flow and such stuff like that. So, yeah, with with Star Wars Land, and then eventually uh, once they turn Hollywood Land uh, in DCA into Marvel, um. Yeah, that's gonna. I I think it can only be good for a, a, as far as um, as far as crowd control is concerned, because you have more. I, I mean, it might not be so great in those specific areas, but at least the rest of the park will have some breathing room. Yep, and and I my prognostication is we'll hear about uh, the Marvel uh, announcements sooner rather than later. Oh yeah, yeah, I, without I, a doubt. I would guess uh, start of uh, end of March, early April. You'll hear you'll hear something there. 
Well, well, certainly uh, they might want to wait until uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout opens and they start getting guest feedback on it just to make sure it's not another Stitch's Great Escape. But, uh, <laughs> but Stitch's Great Escape is still currently open. Well, seasonally, which which I I hate that. I hate that, you know, halfway seasonal bullshit because you know it's going to be replaced with something else eventually. It's just stop dragging your feet and just replace – I'm not a fan of Stitch, but just replace it already. Don't yep. fucking, you know uh, – don't have just this big empty building 49 weeks out of the year. It's 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 a waste. Well, and we had we had touched on this briefly uh, that you, you also have a great passion for Universal Studios – Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, well, I'm sorry. We were talking about Disney reboots, and I got us sidetracked. Oh no, no, it's but... fine. It's fine. No, and on Disney okay. reboot, the the only thing I will I will happily watch if they reboot uh, is now that Disney has the the rights again to all five of the Lloyd Alexander books. Uh, mm. I would happily see a live action uh, Black Cauldron, provided that John Biner stays the hell away from the movie. Yeah, and. Um... Black Cauldron would be, uh, yeah, th- that's that's one of those remakes that really should happen because now they'd really be able to do it right. They right. wouldn't be able, they wouldn't be as afraid to make it dark. The characters would probably be a lot more interesting and compelling. And now that you know, Lord of the Rings has shown everybody how to do fantasy right. You know, it it, it that could be really uh, entertaining. I did a co-review. Uh, of the Black Cauldron a few years ago with um, my friend Stefan Krosetz, who used to have a show called Animated Analysis. And I went to where he lives in Texas, and we went to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, for some reason, to review the Black Cauldron, <laughs> to, to review the Black Cauldron together. And that was a really fun one. So you can find just search Some Jerk Animated Analysis Black Cauldron, any combination of those words, you'll probably find it. Well, and that's, you know, the the book series was one of my favorites growing up. And then I saw the movie and uh, it was painful. Uh, yeah. You know, because they, they had to cut recut the movie at the last minute because it was going to get an R rating. Uh, is, that, is that so? Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. It got recut just months before opening because the initial MPAA was an R rating. Wow. So, I mean. I, it, I, heard, I heard it was just Jeffrey Katzenberg, you know, being timid. But no, it, it really was going to get an yeah, R rating. Yeah, no, it was, it was already at the MPAA on it crazy uh but no i mean i think that movie has potential but i just want to see them do you know they have uh look we talked about the jungle cruise movie i'm thrilled to see Dwayne attached to it <laughs> I, I think that he i think that his personality works if the script is right but he's also doing doc savage he's also doing jumanji and you know i worry that with all the other things he's doing especially doc savage with, with shane black is going to have a lot of the indiana jones style elements uh, yeah, you know, I really worry that that the Jungle Cruise movie is not going to get made because of the amount of stuff that that The Rock is doing. Well, the Jungle Cruise movie has been kind of on the brink for the longest time yeah. now. I remember, I remember at one time it was going to be uh, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Yep. It was going to be a Toy Story reunion, yep. but and that that it, it would have been. I I I honestly don't know of the two of them who would have played the skipper and who would have played the frustrated parent with the kids it's almost like who, who would have played chip and who would have played dale basically yeah exactly it, it, either one of i could see either one of them in either role but um uh, uh but 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 the thing about the prospect of a jungle cruise movie is there kind of already was a jungle cruise movie it was called the african queen yes well so, that, that had that had you know bogart i have to say 
was really not the effective comedian that I was expecting while watching well, that true. movie. So, well, and true, you know, but the other thing I, I will say, the other thing I will happily watch if they do a reboot uh, is the dark and gritty uh, reboot done in the Marvel style of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage of Darkwing Duck. That I would oh, watch. that would be amazing. I would I, happily I, well, watch that. Well, I'm I'm amazed, kind of, that they didn't reboot Darkwing Duck like years ago in response to movies like The Dark Knight being huge hits because like Darkwing Duck is essentially a Batman parody and 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 what what is more rife for spoofery than than the current grim dark you know era of superhero movies that The Dark Knight ushered in I well, mean and, it, and it the was, title is right there Tony The Duck Knight The Duck Knight exactly my god that would be amazing <sighs> So, but I mean, I, and, and I, I know Jim Cummings wants it to happen. He's been trying to, <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway, but yeah, but you've got, you know, um, the, I mean, the other rebooty stuff, you know, they've got the live action Aladdin, the live action Lion King, yeah, all of these things that I just feel like don't need to happen except to make Disney $7 billion a year in revenue. Yeah, yeah. it's, I, I mean, I mean, I did like the jungle book, but. That's because I mean I mean if you really take off the nostalgia goggles, the '67 animated Jungle Book is fun, but there's not a whole lot to it. I mean you can definitely tell that Walt told everyone not to read the book and and all that stuff. And I, I mean yeah, like I said, fun, but I and 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 the new reboot I don't think replaces it, but. I think it's I think it's worthy of its own existence. That's that's probably the best compliment I can give to one of these Disney reboot movies. So is it 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 it, it justifies its own existence. Yeah, but my, the problem is is that it did just well enough to make them want to do a lot more of them. Yeah. Uh, so that's the problem is that that's how we get our Lion Kings. Uh, so what what would you like to see if you were going to go back into the archives and you were to take a Disney property that you would actually like to see rebooted and and be interesting? Is there anything uh, Condor Man, uh, Cat from Outer Space, <laughs> well, uh, Blackbeard's Ghost, Candle Shoe. I mean, what what would you go back and, and want to see them actually do a modern take on? Well, my first response is uh, it, it, my immediate response is something they've already been promising for years and years now: Guillermo del Toro's Haunted Mansion. Yes, because the Eddie Murphy movie was. It, it's not as terrible as its reputation. It's honestly not. So, I, I mean, I did a whole re- three part review of. Oh, sorry, that's my phone going off. Uh, I did a whole three part review of the Haunted Mansion movie with. Um, God damn it! I, I, I did a whole three part review of the Haunted Mansion movie with Count Jacula and the Horror Guru, two horror reviewers on YouTube who I highly recommend. And uh, the conclusion we came to is that the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie is really not so much bad as it is just aggressively mediocre and (laughs) every everything everything that doesn't work about it is directly eddie murphy's fault i'm gonna put aggressively mediocre on business cards now yes do that um i'll only demand a five percent royalty but the but on because you get paid for business cards don't you sure but the um you know, it's like the cinematography is really beautiful. The music is is great. There's, you know, I love Terrence, Terrence Stamp is great in it. But it just doesn't hold together by any stretch of the imagination. And 
Guillermo del Toro is such a great filmmaker and a huge Haunted Mansion fan. I mean, I've been drooling for this ever since he announced it at at Comic-Con 20 freaking 10. Yeah, but, when, he, but he had to go off and make the Troll Hunters on Netflix because that was more yeah. important. Uh, and, well, and Crimson Peak, which was basically him going, you know, uh, screw Disney dragging their feet. I'm going to make a Haunted Mansion movie without them. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's... I, I, whatever I'll do what I want. I mean, obviously he's a busy guy with a lot of different projects, but I would so so want to see. I I I, I desperately want to see Guillermo del Toro's Haunted Mansion movie. As for one that hasn't uh, been announced, um, let me uh, that, that that would take uh, that would take a bit of thing. I, I, the Black Cauldron idea is a really good yeah. one. Qu- um, Quentin Tarantino's Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. You know. You know who actually recently expressed interest in rebooting Bedknobs and Broomsticks of all people? Kevin Smith. Yeah, well, Kev, he, he, does, Smith. he does smoke an awful lot of pot, and that movie would probably did. be uh, one that would make a lot of sense that in that mo- mindset. Bedknobs is such an amazing stoner movie. Oh, it's yeah. e- even more so than like Mary Poppins, but it's like Bedknobs and Broomsticks is one of those movies that's real. that's at this. It's kind of on the same level as the original Willy Wonka, in a sense, which came out the same year, oddly enough, in that it's extremely likable. It's really um, it, it's really fun, but it doesn't quite hold together as a whole the same way like Mary Poppins does. I'm not saying a reboot would fix that. And there's, in fact, many scenarios where it would very easily just make things worse. But uh, that'd be an interesting one to, to, to see tackled. Yeah, and I think I think Swiss Family Robinson could be redone at, at this point. I mean, well, Swiss Family Robinson was a remake, the the <laughs> Disney version of of like uh, the original one was like a, a silent film or something, right. wasn't it? Well, I'm just saying that it would be good because then they'd have an excuse to change the Tarzan's treehouse out back to Swiss Family. Yes, Robinson. yes, please, my God. <laughs> well, and let's uh, like I said, let's let's slide over uh, properties and head over to Universal. Um, okay. Because, I mean, I, I don't see your vocalism about Legoland or SeaWorld really being apropos. But at Universal, <laughs> uh, poor, poor uh, the orca who uh, mauled the trainer died yesterday. He, so, he, he mean SeaWorld. SeaWorld. You mean SeaWorld. Yeah, yeah, yeah R.I.P. Tillicum, yes. Yeah. Um, yes, because there was no giant whale at Legoland killing people, which would have been, would have been amazing. Um, well, but, you know, well, you know what would have been I, – I, I'm just I'm just glad that you know Tilikum and Harambe can finally be together because they were they were made for each other. <laughs> so over at Universal, there's been some some interesting changes in the last year. Um, I mean, when they get to a point where they hit forty thousand people and actually close the park gates, that's pretty effing impressive. Well, it, 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 well, it's also a small park, so it doesn't take well, you know. But forty thousand versus Disney's seventy or seventy. That's true. And and my friends uh, Charlie and Haley were actually working there that day, and they described it as absolutely miserable. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I've I've been at Disney at uh, over maximum capacity where they failed Ugh. to you know shut the gates down, uh, and I've worked a number of New Year's Eves at Disney, and and uh, they were not always so good at making sure that the park capacity was topped off. Uh, I'm 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 very curious at, at times when the park is I I've, I've never been to the park while it was at capacity cuz I'm not a masochist but um I, I'm curious at that time is is the audience for great moments with Mr. Lincoln any bigger oh, like yes. no absolutely oh, really well and I was there I made the mistake of going before I was a cast member I was there for the rollover new year's eve 
the 99 ah. to 2000. Ah. And that night is notorious uh, because they did not at any point stop people from coming into the park. Oh, dear. And I was on Main Street for a riot that had a stroller thrown through a window. It was wow. – uh, we were standing in place for 45 minutes while – People were being trampled on. Kids were being squished. Women were being inappropriately groped. It was one of the worst moments I've ever had at Disney. And, <laughs> and, and memorable because uh, right before they did uh, a Fantasmic show, they did this thing where they gave everyone uh, light sticks, memory sticks for you to crack and everyone to hold them up at the same time. Well, everyone got the brilliant idea of throwing them into the rivers of America where they then had the pyro going later on that night, and you oh, could dear. hear the plastic popping as the flame on the river was uh, was getting to it. So <laughs> oh, it was a it was a uh, massively disastrous evening. Fucking Y two K. Yes, it crashed everything. Yeah, uh, but you know, with with Universal hitting the the number of people, and on top of that, the changes to um, uh, the ride, the Harry Potter ride. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I know that you have. Uh, uh, recently been able to start going on that ride. Is that a nice way of saying it? That is not true, actually. No. That was a that was a joke added okay. for the episode okay. to give it a happy ending. But no, I'm not able to ride that. You know, uh, I, yet. I, they actually uh, I I passed the the screening of that just by a smidge. So, uh, but they have, well, they, good for you. Yeah, they have <laughs> taken off the 3D, and I have heard from a number of people that it has not done anything uh, to to make it better. Well. I love um, I, I loved Forbidden Journey, you know, the few years ago when I was able to ride it when I went to Florida um, about 20 pounds ago. Um, I thought it was the best ride in the park. Uh, I, I guess I'm curious what's – if they've gotten – I could see how it how the 3D wouldn't work so well on that ride. Um, and I'm actually glad – well, for selfish reasons, I'm glad they got rid of it because I didn't mention the 3D at all in my review. And I was worried that that would – but it, it turns out I didn't need to because they got rid of it. Well, there were, there were a lot of nausea complaints uh, ah. because of the shifting with the 3D. But the right. problem is that those the, they had a very Quidditch-looking goggle that was very focusing of your attention that was darkened around the edges so you couldn't see all the other stuff and see how the sausage was I being see. made. And apparently right now it's a sausage-making fest. I see. I mean, um, you're, you're seeing – I mean they haven't got the lighting at the balance point where you can't see how everything is coming at you. Hmm. Well – I mean that didn't really bother me in Florida if if, if that if that makes any di- I just really I I mean like I said I haven't been able to ride the ride recently so maybe maybe it really is a problem but this might just be another case of is so so again I'm ignorant so please take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt but this might just be a case of people not being able to see the forest for the trees. Yeah. It's like we know it's all fake. You know, only only you know children and people with childlike minds, you know, think it's real. There you know, I don't mind seeing the seams every now and again. It, it it's not a deal breaker for me. I just love I just love the KUKA arm technology. I love that it it, it allows you to feel – it really does feel like magic and, oh, yeah, it, and, it, yeah. and it's – because it makes you feel like you're floating in midair and, and, and you've never been in that kind of ride before. I mean except for rides where you could 
you know, see the robot arm clearly, but they really hide it well at Harry Potter. No, so, and, and I really hope that that technology starts. I mean, that's uh, I want to say the Iron Man ride that they've got over in Hong Kong, or is it? I heard that was more of a Star Tours thing. Was it more of the box kind of a concept? Yeah, well, that, that's what I heard. Yeah, well, there's a couple interesting. Um, because uh, I, I was in Paris this summer and got to ride the Ratatouille ride, which mm. is the same ride system as the Pooh ride in, in Florida. And it was uh, – it's my favorite it, ride it, system of any ride at, at, at any of the Disney parks that I've been on. Wait, you mean you mean the Pooh ride in Tokyo or – I thought the Pooh ride in Florida had the, the trackless. No, no, the, the one in Tokyo does. Oh, I thought the one in Florida had it as well. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I haven't – Not that I, I know. I'm of. headed to Florida on the 1st of February for the first time in 10 years. For oh, a big cool. skipper gathering, so I get to uh, oh, nice. do some fun live stuff from the parks down there. So yeah, my first time in way too long to get down there. So, but yeah, Rat- Ratatouille, uh, really fantastic ride system. Uh, it was just an immersively fantastic ride. I-, I cannot wait for it to come to Epcot. I am thrilled. I hope it does come to Epcot because uh, that hasn't that hasn't been confirmed yet, it, has it, it? It has not been officially confirmed, but uh, yeah, I, I hope it does. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I would. I would once again because there's so much there at, at Epcot and Disney Studios that needs to happen soon. So uh, it's not like they don't have the room. It's Epcot for God's sake. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just a money issue. But and World be... Showcase desperately needs more rides. Yeah. So <laughs> there yeah, you well. go. Oh, nice. So, yeah, no, it's going to be a fun trip down there. But unfortunately, I'm not going to get to, to Universal while we're down there this trip. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, I really – I like a lot of the things Universal's doing here in, in Hollywood, except for the fact that it seems like every ride has to have water squirting you in the face unexpectedly. I, I think every single attraction that they've got sprays water at you. I think you're right. <laughs> I, I, I think the, at the some point, yeah, every, every ride – uh, yeah, Potter. The only the flight of the hippogriff is the only ride we can yeah. think of. The Minions ride does. Jurassic Park, I hear, has water involved. Uh, <laughs> it just seems like they a little all, bit. A they little all bit. have this. It's like there's some Universal exec with a, you know, a, a spraying water fetish. I guess so. Yeah. Um, so I mean, as far as things that are are coming up, Disney and Star Wars and things like that. What are some things you're looking forward to, and what things could you give a crap less about? I'm very much looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout uh, because I'm a huge fan of of the movie and uh, the sequel looks awesome. And I just love that, you know, that sensibility will be coming to a Disney park. It, it's what you call the skipper sensibility, sort of that um, that, that whole wise – like I understand uh, James Gunn actually helped them write the dialogue for yeah. the ride and – that I, I just I mean, twenty years ago, that guy's biggest claim to fame was writing Tromeo and Juliet for Troma, <laughs> and now he's writing a Disneyland ride. That is beautiful to me. Um, uh, I I'm I'm one thing I'm uh, uh, one thing I'm kind of morbidly looking forward to, uh, or, or I'm kind of mixed about or whatever. Uh, because I do plan to go to Florida again sometime this year uh, to to shoot stuff for season four of Some Jerk with a Camera, but um, I'm kind of morbidly looking forward to Avatar, just because I want to see how much money they they burned <laughs> to make it. Yes. Because it's it's you got to be kidding me, right? I, I mean, they clearly wanted something that could compete with Harry Potter and. 
Avatar is not it. When was the last time you heard anyone even talk about Avatar? Well, other than it's James like, Cameron. I mean, James right, Cameron will shut the hell up about it. But. Exactly. And he keeps talking about how he's going to do sequels and shit. And yeah, I'll believe that when I yeah. don't see him because I'm probably not going to see those movies. But yeah, it, it, it's like, okay, like 2011, Disney announces they're going to build Avatar Land. 2014, they break ground on the place. 2016, Zootopia and The Jungle Book are both huge box office smashes. And you know someone's just like, fuck. That's the, that's the problem when you when you tie things into current box office you know, and do an attraction. Uh, yeah. You know, like if you were to take Stitch out and do something with – like as I've heard, like possibly Wreck-It Ralph or some of the yeah. other properties, you know, it, it's kind of like if they had taken the Tiki Room and themed it Moana, you know, granted, I could it's, see a, that. it's a great movie. I could see that. But it, it, the question mark is, at what point does it become another under new management? Well, you know, when does when does that nostalgia for that movie fade versus the iconic, you know, so well, I. I think you're looking at this in slightly the wrong way. I think the difference, you know, the 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 re- Tiki Room, uh, Tiki Room under new management did not fail because it had a Lion King and Aladdin tie-in. It failed because it was shit. Stitch's Great Escape sucks because it sucks, not because it's a Lilo and Stitch ride. The thing about Disney is they are really good at making sure their most popular movies stay popular. I mean, when Disneyland first opened, Peter Pan was only two years old, but people still line up for Peter Pan's flight. So I really think, you know, Disney will always now. Now that's not always the case. I've heard, I've overheard more than a few conversations waiting online at splash mountain of people asking what movie is this based on? Cause, <laughs> cause they haven't heard of song of the South and it, it's a little, you know, embarrassing that Florida still has rides based on dinosaur and mission to Mars. But for the most part, you know, Disney's really good at preserving this stuff. And as long as the, and it all comes down, I think to the experience of the attraction, if it's a good attraction, you know, there's no reason why it it couldn't stay relevant. And if it sucks, people won't go and they shouldn't see. And this is why you're a perspectiveologist. And I, I just host a podcast. You know, it, it, it's I'm I'm a regular Anton ego with extra ego. Just when when there's a lack of perspective, I try to bring it. All right. Well, this is a, a good amount of length. Uh, let's let's do the thing where we tell people where to find you. Uh, your current GPS coordinates are. I mean, the way we can find you online is. <laughs> Uh, my YouTube channel can be found at youtube.com slash Tony Goldmark and, uh, which is my uh, real name and, or just search for some jerk with a camera and I'm sure you'll come across it. I've got, I've got every uh, season of some jerk with a camera all arranged in handy dandy little playlists. I've also got vlog series like uh, one movie later where I review movies and, uh, uh, State of the Parks, where I give kind of updates about theme park news and give my own personal take on those. And um, and uh, I'm also on Twitter, at uh, Tony Goldmark. So check me out at those places. Yep. I will continue to uh, boost the signal, as they say. Uh, I genuinely appreciate the, the stuff you're doing out there. I think it's a good, clear, different voice uh, in a, a sea of Disney noise. Pleasure. Um, uh, uh, thank you very much. And is uh, uh, th- thank you for having me. All right. All right. To our audience, uh, once again, if you uh, are a skipper or know a skipper who would like to appear on the show, drop us an email, junglecruise, C-R-E-W-S, at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash junglecruise, C-R-E-W-S. 
uh, as well as over on Twitter at SkipCast. Uh, We'll see you guys soon, and Kungaloosh, everyone. Kungaloosh!